Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand business show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with J.E. Mugu. Two-factor authentication. This is one of the very foremost important steps I would do on every single service that supports, and most of them are now, enable two-factor authentication. I know it can be seen as a pain in the neck, but this company, I said uh, earlier, 1 million, 1.6 million uh, pounds they lost. If they had the two-factor authentication, they would have saved that money. Hi there, and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle, and every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing, and monetizing their expertise and the mindset you need for your business to thrive and grow. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device in your hand, take a moment to subscribe. That way you won't miss a single thing. Now, I have been in business for a rather long time, and there is one thing that I have seen screw up somebody's business more than anything else. And it's getting hacked, having cybersecurity breaches or other kinds of online shenanigans that will mess you up. And this week, in a Christmas special, I guess, it's, hopefully this episode is going to come out in between Christmas and New Year. When I saw Jay's jumper, I could not do anything <laughs> other than this. He kind of drew that line in the sand for me. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Jay Enigu to the show, and we are going to be talking cybersecurity. Jay, welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure, Bob. Thanks thanks for the invite, and uh, it's good to be hanging out here with you. I am really looking forward to this today because we've known each other for quite a long time. I checked. We met in 2015. Or, um, yeah, I, 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 maybe before that. Uh, maybe before that. I, I, I look back to when was the first email that I had with your name in it. And it was 2015, <laughs> but that might also be just when I created that mailbox. All right. That's quite likely. Right, right. I, th- I know you reached uh, out to uh, me at some point at the podcast, but I know you from before. You used to sponsor, uh, what's her name, Caroline Manikiewicz events. Yes. yes. And that's that's where I know you from, NEC Studio and all that, yeah. Yeah. So we've known each other for quite a long time. And for the listener, yeah, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity. And that's great. And it's really important. But what really drew my attention to Jay back in the day was you've been in the content marketing game a lot longer than I have, realistically. For me, back then, you were probably one of the real local forerunners in the personal branding game. You took that on board and you really ran with it. And I think for anybody, for anybody really, you're a great role model from a content perspective because you've been doing this since before people were really doing it. Uh, And I've always admired that, and I still admire it. And we can talk about that later. But what probably makes sense, rather than me ramble and waffle, which I'm doing more than normal, is if you maybe just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do. So, as you rightly said, I'm Jay Enigu. I'm the founder at Tech4Cyber, a cyber cybersecurity services company based in Aberdeen, but we work with clients across the UK and out with UK as well. As we rightly say, we are the second best cybersecurity company in the UK. <laughs> Don't ask me who the first best is. Um, right? You know, we, we love doing it. I love doing it, uh, helping people in their security journeys, uh, helping businesses in their security journeys. Right, so we're based in Aberdeen, but work with across. But we are looking at an office space in Edinburgh as well, very soon. So, let's jump 
straight into cybersecurity because I, one of my very first jobs in the digital arena was with a company that lasted maybe a year. And then one day, that company had their server hacked. All the websites on that server were destroyed. They had to start rebuilding them. It cost them an absolute fortune and they went out of business. And since that, that, that happened maybe 2002. I've seen it happen again and again and again. That great businesses get destroyed because somebody messed up their junk. So what probably makes sense is for us to have a little conversation about what does good practice look like from a small business perspective? What, should, what do people do all the time that they shouldn't do? And what do they not do that they should be doing? And I guess a good place to start would maybe be for me to point the finger at you and say, what do you do differently in your day-to-day to most people as a cybersecurity consultant? So <clears throat> I'll answer the last question first day. What do we do differently? You know, um, I've been at the both, side of, both sides of the table. So I was an IT manager before. Uh, I worked for a company where I used to deal with uh, lots of suppliers who were offering the cybersecurity services. You know, I've seen the both both sides. Now, sitting at the other side of the table, I know exactly, most cases, I know exactly what a business needs after the conversation we have with the client. And that's the perceptive perception that not many people can have because uh, you see what I used to say as salespeople coming in, giving the sales pitch. But once the job is done, once the sale is done, then you don't necessarily live up to the expectations. And we know, well, I know what the customer wants. And um, not just me, and we train the same with our salespeople as well. So that's that's the difference between us. We work as a partner, as your in-house security team with a business, rather than just trying to sell something and then move on, right? So with regards to the best practices, uh, Bob, it's, it's just like, your house, right? What do you do to keep your house secure, your home secure, right? You know, you'll, you'll lock the doors, you'll close the doors, you'll lock the doors, you'll make sure there's nothing, no loopholes on your door, somebody can easily open, same with the windows and make sure you, your roof is right, everything is correct and then, make, you know, you, you'll do, there are no leaks and stuff and everything in the house, right? Just your business is nothing different. Um, you know, we just have to follow that hygiene, the cyber hygiene. You know, we need to make sure we are, you know, protecting our computers and our passwords, our identities and our firewalls, our networks and everything, right? And it, nowadays, as a digital transformation, most businesses are using cloud technologies. Make sure the cloud is configured correctly. You know, that's what we do uh, day in, day out basis. We test your configuration, we do the configuration reviews, or we, we try to hack your companies only if you <laughs> give, give us a job. <laughs> That's called ethical hacking. And we find out the loopholes before the bad guys do. Uh, that's always a you know good thing not, rather than the bad thing. Businesses, what happens is most of the times, especially in the small businesses, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but um, from my experience, it's mostly a reactive approach. You know, um, it's not the proactive. Uh, I can give you an example. We we approached a business uh, a year ago or 18 months ago for our services. And at the time, they said, 
uh, no, not interested. You know, we are a very small company. Nobody is interested in hacking us. You know, we don't. Uh, it's fine. Cybersecurity is fine with us. And then um, a year or 14 months later, they were they had a massive breach and they lost lots of money. Right. And then we were having a chat with the CFO. We were called in to rescue and recover the stuff. Um, we were having a chat with CFO and CFO goes, um, hey, once this is all done, can you put in a proposal together? Just uh, review our systems again and take us take us forward. And I said, we sent the propo- that proposal 18 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a reactive and people think nobody is interest- interested in their company. They're too small. Yes, nobody's interested in your company, but everybody's interested in your money, right? They will, the <laughs> bad actors, the threat actors, when they hack something, when they um, hack your, your company, they, they take your data, they will make your data to be inaccessible by you. Because your data is so important to you, that's where the ransom comes in, right? Mm. If you want to access your data, then you need to pay the money, right? So, and, and, and are you finding that that's the most common hack these days is people essentially holding you to ransom that's the most common yes um we see the news and we see happening and also there is another most common one it's not even actually a skilled attack it's not even a hack it's just a social engineering people manipulation so that's the most common as well and at the same time it's all it's more damaging than the ransomware attacks we see on the news in the sense the businesses will lose money straight away, cash, hard earned money, right? So what happens is uh, the the threat actors, the bad actors, hackers, you know, let's call them, what they do is they send fake duplicate invoices to companies. They find out who the company's uh, customers are, and then they pretend, they impersonate the customer. They send the fake invoice. They say, hey, our ERP system is having a you know, issue or our payment you know, bank is having an issue. You know, um, can you pay into the, this new bank? Right? And most of the times, um, the person who is paying, they don't even check. They don't even check what's happening. So they may be doing some middle of doing something, and they just look at the email, oh, let's sort this out, and I can go back to what I'm doing. And then they just make the payment without actually verifying the details. And it's depending on the size of the business and size of the invoice, we have seen um, losses upwards of a million, 1.6 million pounds. And imagine for a business which is turning over like six or seven million per year and they lost 1.6 million. Um, Yeah, that's Yeah, as a matter of fact, there is a stat saying uh, most small SMBs that had an incident, 60% of them uh, will go out of the business within six months from a cyber incident. Yeah, so it's called business email compromise and we see it a lot. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it. But I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at bobgentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story and I'll do my very best 
to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it. But I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at bobgentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. And I think this is one of the things, I mean, I know very small businesses that have been, when I say very small, I'm talking, they might only be turning over 100,000, not not 6 million. And that can be equally damaging because often they don't notice it for a long time. And what's interesting when you look at these hacks is that the, the ways in are multiple and it could be compromised websites, it could be phishing email, it could be a phone call, it could be somebody took hard copy from your bins. There are so many different ways that people can get these little seeds of information and together they can use those to build a picture. Um, which does beg the question, there's targeted hacking and then there's almost automated hacking but the automated hacking once they get a a hit if you like that can then lead to some targeted hacking so if we maybe look at the automated hacking first because i think this is where most people are most vulnerable what should people be looking out for in terms of the ways that the bad actors as you call them can automate data collection in order to find their targets so we call them a spray and pray yeah so they get these databases uh, of people from uh, existing already happened data breaches like british airways marriott sony so many to name yeah uh, they get the details from these these breaches there are millions of uh, records there they send these emails to, well, one or two emails to these millions of people, hoping even 0.01% success rate. Yeah, when somebody clicks on them, then uh, take action, then, you know, the rest will follow. Right? What, should be, should, what should the users should be looking for is predominantly one main thing. Most of these emails ask for urgent action, immediate mm-hmm. action. Uh, either clicking on a link or transfer the money or some some other means, right? If something somebody is asking you to take an action immediately, ask yourself again: Is this the email? Are you really expecting? You know, um, yes. There are other ways to look at it. Like you need to look at the grammar mistakes and um, so many so many other things. But predominantly, if there is an email, if there is a message, or if there is something somebody is asking you to click on a link ask yourself twice should should you really be clicking on it are you really expecting it to happen so that's yeah. the one piece of advice i would give and actually that's the best piece of advice i would give if you don't click on things uh, you're pretty much safe <laughs> i have two great examples of this yeah. because 
with the relationship I have with a lot of clients over many years, I'm the guy they go to when they have a technical question because most of my clients are not digital natives and we have great relationships. And so from time to time, I get phone calls when people are panicking. And two real-world examples where I've seen different groups of people panic. One is where you get an email from a bank, for example. Now, I get emails, phishing emails, all the time. Less than I used to because the spam filters are quite good. But I'll get an email from Chase Manhattan Bank. Now, I'm in the UK. I don't have a Chase Manhattan Bank account. <laughs> but if somebody's asking me, you need to quickly log into your Chase Manhattan Bank account and change your password because we think it's been compromised, for example, then I know it's a phishing email. But if I get that same email from HSBC or Monzo Bank, you've got my attention now. Monzo Bank, your business account has been compromised. Oh, hold on a minute. I need to quickly click on that button you've just given me and change my password or transfer my money to this other bank account you gave me. So it's the, the more that email seems tailored to you, the more likely you are to react instinctively to it. The other side of this that I've also seen, which is really nasty, is... I had a a few people call me, and I won't name names, but they were responding to an email that went something along the lines of, we've hacked your computer, we know the websites you're visiting, (laughs) you have some stuff to worry about, Mm -hmm. Um, transfer 5,000 Bitcoin, whatever, it's obviously not 5,000 pounds in Bitcoin to this account, and we'll leave you alone, that kind of thing, well, the only reason people reacted emotionally to that is because they had visited some dodgy websites. Um, if you hadn't visited any dodgy websites, you weren't going to respond emotionally to that and, and have a little bit of anxiety. And that one, I, th- I had a lot of conversation with people like you back when that was happening and people really responded badly to this. So I think to supplement, have if this email comes in and it makes you feel like you're panicking, Take a step back, take a deep breath and go and speak to somebody like Jay and just ask the question and you'll get some instant reassurance or, yeah, you, you have nothing to worry yeah. about. Um, or, yeah, you actually have something to worry about. And, and you know, the scariest past part of these emails, because I've seen many, um, some of my friends approached me in the past. When they send this email, they will send the password to yes. prove a point that they've been in your computer, right? And one particular instance, um, this person was like, it seems they hacked my computer. They know my password. You know how they get the password? Uh, I do. I do, <laughs> but you tell the story. So most people uh, use the same password across multiple services, if not all the services. I used to be one of them, yeah? Before I, uh, years ago, decades ago, I used to be one of them. So these services, not all of them are secure. One of them may be a breach. You, you visited a user community or a forum or somewhere, something, some other service. You place an order from a website before. That's not being well maintained now. It's been breached. But your password, when it's breached, your password is out there. Since you're using the same password, the chances are very likely you will use the same password for your computer login. Right, and when this this hacker sends you the password, then you are thinking, "Oh, yeah, they really breached 
my my password. <laughs> so my my computer. Yeah, all, all yeah. they need is your email and a password. Yes. yes. Um, and yes. Sorry, uh, and if you're like anybody. Yeah. Simply recognize. You won't even think. Well, that's not the password from my actual yeah. computer, but it is my password. So let, let's use me as an example. I'm a small business owner. I have a few people in my team. I don't have a big organization. I'm not. To be perfectly honest, I'm probably not at the stage where I would make a sensible client for a cybersecurity company. But what should a good infrastructure look like for me in terms of password management, my connection to the internet, how should I be protecting that? Should I be protecting it? What should what should be in my toolbox from a cybersecurity perspective? Yeah, great question, right? So if you're a small business, most of the times these days, you're just using a, a cloud infrastructure like Office 365 or AWS or Google or something. Uh, I would I would not think you would have a server, but regardless... Right. So there are a few pointers. The National Cybersecurity Center of UK, um, you know, guides. What I would say is, as per the NCSC guidance, make sure you have the strong passwords. Try to u- adopt the culture of using password managers. You, a password manager, can actually create a unique password for every single service, and also store that password next time you go to log into that service then you can just log in with a password manager and it syncs with your mobile as well. If you're using iPhone, you may have already seen iCloud chain. Uh, Similar to that, there are LastPass, Bitwarden, uh, Password One, so many, so many uh, tools out there. You know, and two-factor authentication, this is one of the very foremost important step I would do on every single service that supports, and most of them are now, enable two-factor authentication. I know it can be seen as a pain in the neck, but it will save your life. Um, excuse me. This company, I said uh, earlier, one million, one point six million uh, pounds they lost. If they had the two-factor authentication, they would have saved that money. You know. So two-factor authentication is one of them. Keep your devices up to date. Um, you know your software and everything up to date. Make sure when you're done with a user, when you're done with an employee, when the employee leaves or when you're sharing your data with a a client or supplier, when the project is done, make sure you stop the access. So make sure you know where your data is, who who are accessing your data, and uh, make sure you protect it. And what we say always is give somebody access, lowest access to perform their job. Right, so that your data is protected. Right, uh, if you're encouraging your employee to bring their own devices into the work or access your work data, make sure you have some policies set. Like, so for example, the devices should be up to date. They should have a antivirus software. Da di da di da. Right. So these are some of the things: access controls, you know, software configuration, and passwords, and also. You know, accidents do happen. Make sure you have a backup. (laughs) And these days, we don't really hear very much about computer viruses. There's there's lots of other cybersecurity things that take center stage, but you don't really hear people talking about simple things like virus protection anymore. And a lot of Mac users in particular are under the impression, and you can tell me whether that's rightly or wrongly, that they don't need virus protection. What's your perspective on that? Well, it's, it's, it's not correct. 
right? Um, for hackers, bad actors, it's a business as well for them, right? We are all in the business, Bob. So we invest something to hoping bigger returns, right? So the bad actors, hackers, they do the same. So if you look at the number of the percentage of people that use Mac versus the percentage of people who uses Microsoft Windows, the percentage of Mac is very little, right? If you're investing your resources to hack MacBooks, then you're, you already have a very small market. And also, Macs use, uh, and, the, and the behind the scenes, they, they are Linux operating systems. And to hack Linux operating systems, you need to be very extremely skilled than the Windows. So your market is niche and niche again, and you need lots of resources. So that what I'm trying to say is the investments, the investment back, bad actors are going to put in this, there is not enough reward. That's why you see less uh, attacks on Mac, right? And also that's why when you see there is an exploit for an uh, Apple operating system, whether that is Mac OS, iOS, or any I- iPad OS, these exploits are extremely expensive because they're not easy to find. <laughs> so as a Mac user, in your opinion, should I be topping up the built-in security on the Mac with commercial antivirus or free antivirus on top of that? Absolutely. So I I said there is a a, a smaller market of Macs and lesser return for hackers, but not all the actors are motivated by money. Some are motivated by a challenge. Some are motivated just just for fun. Political activists, national, uh, you know, uh, nation, nation state sponsored hackers you know you, you get all sorts um, and sometimes I know you said earlier there is a automated attack and there is a uh, there is a targeted attack and you said something else what we say uh, w- what happens sometimes is you can be a collateral damage somebody can somebody else can be hacked but you may be the collateral damage right so it's better to be safe than sorry. Uh, so to answer your question, I would say absolutely you should have some sort of uh, security protection on, on your Mac or iOS or any other device. And I guess wh- where I'm trying to establish is where is the boundary between sensible and paranoid? And I hear talk about things like securing your router or using a VPN when you're not on your own Wi-Fi network and things like that. How real an issue is that kind of thing for most people? So <laughs> going down the security hall can be like going down the rabbit hole, <laughs> right? But always ask the question, and we always uh, suggest a business owner or anybody asking, what's the risk? Is it worth preventing, protecting, you know? If there is no risk to the business, why do you invest in that kind of thing? If there is a risk, okay, you have your sensitive data on it. If somebody steals your MacBook, you have your whole company's data on it, then, you know, we should be protecting it, you know. Uh, we, we always take the approach of what's the risk? And then, you know, how much can you accept? How much can you not accept? Then reduce the level to an acceptable level. That's, that's the approach we, we always take. 
Yeah. I think, yeah, the more important the data, the more you have to protect it. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, the more vulnerable it is, and it's very vulnerable if it's held on a local computer, then you have to protect it. If it's in the cloud with good backups and good security, then your local network, I guess, is less important. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. What's the data value to you? you know? Yeah, yeah. Can I can so I, I say something about the collateral damage? Yeah, yeah. I will give you an example. Right, there there is a company called Maersk. Do you know who Maersk is? I do. One, of, I think the world's biggest shipping, shipping company. company, Maersk Line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how <laughs> how many containers they ship? Um, so oh. just give me, give it uh, get into put it in the perspective. Twenty five percent of the world's food is being shipped by Maersk. Twenty five percent just one single company right one fourth of the entire world's food right and they uh, ship a container every three seconds well don't ship but they, a container is being loaded every three seconds right so they were going about their business and one fine day they had a cyber incident like massive one yeah that three seconds went to six minutes <laughs> the three seconds, a container for every three seconds went to a container for six minutes. Yeah, because they couldn't operate anything. Uh, in fact, 55,000 devices were encrypted in seven minutes, right? And you would think somebody must be like nation state attacker, they targeted Maersk and they wanted to cause disruption, but Maersk was a collateral damage they weren't even the aim of the incident aim of the attack so the aim of the attack the the actual recipient uh, was a a company a small company in ukraine Uh, and you know who ukraine fights with so they you know they attacked um, and they got hold of this server update server software update server and they infected it with malware and coincidentally, Maersk was using that particular software to manage their payroll, right? And you see where it's going, right? So yeah. next day when the soft, uh, server updated, they got the malware and within seven minutes, everything went boom, right? It costed them $300 million with uh, downtime and recovery and everything. Um, so that that particular malware costed at the time the overall all the businesses there is another company called Merck it's a similar names right Merck is a pharmaceutical mm. company I think it's a French pharmaceutical company it costed them nearly a billion dollars that particular incident and again it's a collateral damage so overall that incident costed all the businesses combined a, a 10 billion a b- billion with a B billion dollars and if you think about it the hackers weren't even expecting a payment or nothing. It's just the collateral damage. Just the disruption. Just the disruption. Yeah. And they wanted to cause a disruption to one company, but yeah, so many other companies uh, were in the damage, yeah. And, and, and I think to scale that down to the impact on a business like mine, if, if I'm unable to communicate, if I'm unable to access client data, if I'm unable to pay my bills, if I'm unable to access my money, if my money's gone, yeah. 
it's like, how long can you survive without oxygen? Not very far, no. not very long. No. So that collateral damage is just as important to me. I'm sorry for the listener, we're probably scaring the pants off. <laughs> but I think... For, 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 for small... What, what yeah. I think is important... Go on. Yeah, go ahead. For Jim. small businesses, uh, I can tell you what could happen because we see this a lot. Um, you know, somebody clicks on a link, uh, but somebody gets an email saying, hey, I have files on, uh, I have your files in OneDrive, uh, please check them. Or I have a proposal in OneDrive, please check them. Here is a link. And you click on a link, and then uh, next thing is there is a small um, payload downloaded to your computer. It goes through your entire contact list, and it sends the same email again. <laughs> and then somebody, one of your clients are thinking, oh, wow, this guy is doesn't have any security and doesn't know what to do. You know, So your reputation damage. And if it's a payload, is yeah. looking at your bank details or anything, then, uh, then you know, it's, it's going to be a trouble for you. We had a few incidents recently where actually the hackers came to know about the bank details, how much money they're being transferred and everything. It's just, it's crazy. You don't want to know what happens out there. I think also the, to, to bring it back to personal vulnerability, yeah. you might think that you're quite computer savvy, but if they catch the right vulnerability emotionally, then you will fall prey yeah. to this without having really clear guidelines to follow. I had a client who messaged me and saying, I can't, I can't count our session because I'm on a call with Microsoft. They're just walking me through changing my bank details, something like that. And I said, just put the phone down on them right now because they had caught that, she was emotionally vulnerable around her money and she'd been conned into going on a call with what she thought was Microsoft, it clearly wasn't. Yeah. Um, so I think we all think that we're smart people until we're not. Yeah. And this is why the right levels of protection alongside the right processes in order to manage our reactions yeah. are really important. Yeah. And, and nowadays with the AI and deep fakes and everything, you could, you know, I, I'm an Indian, uh, my, I'm originally from India. I have a, an accent here. But I could be easily speaking like a, a British person or a American American person <laughs> with AI. Um, we had a, a call recently where uh, somebody spoofed the bank's uh, fraud department. It's easy to spoof number, but they actually, uh, mm. actually uh, spoken like they are calling from you know UK bank, and they almost made them transfer whatever the money is in the bank account to a another another account. Yeah, almost. Um, so that's again we call it a wishing, um, voice voice wishing. So that could happen as well. I think there was a football club yeah. in Scotland, Central Belt, that lost about one point two million for that same attack. Yeah. Sorry, we're scaring oh, off well, too, too many people. Stories. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Christmas stories. jumper. I'm scaring off people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what I'd like to talk about now yeah. is what I think is one of the most impressive business stories I've ever heard. I think what would be really nice for the listener is, okay, we've got Tech Force Cyber now, but it's been a, a long road to get there. And maybe it's worth just letting the listener know who Jay was when I met you and what that journey has looked like for you. And then we can maybe look at what's coming next. <laughs> Jay was nobody. <laughs> so um, at the time when I met you first time, uh, I was an IT manager. Uh, I was working as an IT manager in a, in a company, an oil company in Aberdeen. 
uh, to even to get there as an IT manager was was uh, it's a long long road, man. I used to drive uh, uh, lorries trucks back home in in India. Uh, I did my bachelor's, but that used to be my family business, and I thought that was my life uh, driving around. But um, anyway, somehow I applied to USA uh, visa. They rejected me three times. You know, uh, unlucky for them. But um, yeah, I came to UK and then you know uh, did my masters, got got my job, IT manager. And I had a visa restrictions. Once the visa restrictions were lifted, I started my own business, TechForce. Um, at the time, we used to do IT support. I tried all the tricks in the books. <laughs> I literally parked my car up in an industrial area and knocked every single door looking for an opportunity because at the time, I three months in, four months in, I had nobody, no, no business coming in. I took up a job in Domino's delivering pizza to keep my dream alive i wrote a a a4 uh, paper i wrote personal letters to ceos of companies asking for an opportunity and i sent so many messages on linkedin and i may i started producing the content that's actually made the difference but we'll come back to that in a minute slowly at some point 14th of march 2017 was the day i got my first client it was actually a great story as well. Probably I'll share some other time. I had to be really quick on my feet to get back to their their, their response. Anyway, they, that was the day. Not only I got the client, I got the confidence. I can do this. And yes. slowly from there onwards, uh, we started building. And I think it was you at some point. You said uh, rule of three, one third of people like you, one third of people neutral, one third of people don't care or hate you. Yeah, and then at some point, we we decided to leave the IT support piece and then just focus on cyber piece, and we became tech for cyber And it's ever since, I think that was the best decision we made in the, in the business. And, uh, excuse me, six years later, here we are. Uh, we are up to yeah. 10, 10 people, nearly 10 people. I was shortlisted as a cyber leader of the year this year. We won many awards, you know. It's a it's a long road, you know. Uh, not too long ago, I was delivering the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that I love about you and your business is your ability to bet on yourself, which I think is very easy to say, but it's very difficult to do and to sustain. And you probably have more reasons to give up than most people, but you didn't, which I absolutely love. Now, you mentioned content and content marketing, and that's one of the things that for me really stood out and still stands out is your ability to show up and be present online in ways that very few people are. So a lot of people like the idea of thought leadership, but very few actually lead with their thinking. Um, what... What has your content journey been like? Because I know it's not all been easy. <laughs> no, uh, it's not. So at the early days of my uh, tech force business journey, or maybe when I was an IT manager as well, I'm a, I'm a big on YouTube. Like I consume lots of content through YouTube. There was a point I didn't even pay for TV license just watching YouTube. There were three names I could pick. Um, is uh, Grant Cardone, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Patrick Bed-David. I used to follow them mm. a lot. Um, and Grant Cardone used to say, attention is where the money is, right? You need to get people's attention, right? For that, 
you need to do whatever you need to do. And Gary used to say, you know, content, content is the king. And that's where I learned my uh, lesson. And then I started producing the content. Uh, at, at the beginning, it was shit. <laughs> the content wasn't wasn't great. Um, uh, sorry for, for the language. It's but, all right. Um, wasn't great. But slowly, I, I learned. You know, you, you live and learn by trial, um, trial and error method. I started making loads of LinkedIn posts, articles, a blog blogs on our website, and it slowly it started. People started noticing. People started reaching out, and then that's when it happened. The magic, the 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 magic bullet. LinkedIn released a video feature, native video feature. And that before that, there was no mm. LinkedIn video. You had to like post on YouTube and link it. So, and what they did was they only picked few people per region or I don't know how it worked but I was one of the very first people to have that native LinkedIn feature around Aberdeen and when I started making videos people were like going mental how can you make it how can you do that <laughs> this was this was awesome I really enjoyed it I know you know I love talking about myself <laughs> I enjoyed the process and the idea was I wanted to take people on this journey with me, like the, the tech force journey. And I used to make videos about, you know, where I was, what I was doing, you know, the challenges in the business and the quotations, proposal, everything, pretty much uh, leaving the sensitive information out. I used to make a lot. And at the same time, there were loads of people, uh, not loads, but few people came out of their, you know, caves, the haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, came in and they used to pass on all, all sorts of shitty comments. I was disappointed at the time because I, I gave a, a thought to them, right? And then I met you again. I saw you again uh, at the Caboose, the cafe. And that's where you mm. said, hey, Jay, remember always uh, there's a you know one-third rule, right? And it stuck with me ever since. Back from where I was, where I, I am, uh, my culture, we really care about what other people think of us. Uh, just coming out of that thinking alone took took me a lot of time, and I still still do that. Like I still think like what other people are thinking, but that's the thing about content, right? You can't. You just have to be yourself and see what's what need to be done with the business. The videos had a massive impact. Uh, the blogs had a massive impact. Um, all the content we produced had a massive impact on the business, and. We're only getting started. We're just scratching the surface. I was catching up with my marketing team earlier, and we have some really great plans for next year. You know, I was saying this year earlier, right? One of the theme was content to commerce. I think next year it's really going to be content to commerce. We're going to make so much yeah. content, the relevant content, and then we will try to turn it into uh, commercial business, um, commercials to tech for cyber business. Yeah. So your business has grown into a business that serves nationally in the UK yeah. from a local business. And I think a lot of people, when they think about content marketing and personal branding, they, in my industry and in the online space, they automatically just think global. But I'm curious to hear from you what impact leaning into your personal brand, betting on yourself and the visibility around that, uh, what impact that has had on a very local level? Well, you said it's, it's, it's driven business, but maybe 
tell me a little bit about the reality of what that's looked like. So um, if it wasn't for the content and the videos on LinkedIn and the posts on LinkedIn, I probably would have closed the business a long time ago. Um, you know, uh, people started noticing who I am, right? And it's just not about posting like, we can do this, we can do that, buy from us. No, um, it's posting everything, the business journey and myself, uh, showing what I am strong at, I'm, what I'm weak at, showing my vulnerabilities. People really connect when you when you show your vulnerabilities out there, right? So I was just being myself. I wasn't really expecting much, but I was expecting the attention, whatever the attention it was. Um, and and uh, within no time, I think a year after, uh, you know, every event I go to, people used to call me, oh, LinkedIn guy, LinkedIn guy. I think they still call me <laughs> LinkedIn guy. Uh, you know, in terms of the impact, uh, you know, I have seen businesses running for like 20, 30 years locally and they, you know, turnover maybe around half a million, less than half a million. But um, since we moved to cybersecurity, I think we're at, we're more than double that in within a couple of years. And I wouldn't say everything is because of content, but content has played a massive role. And not just the business turnover and stuff. You will attract right type of talent as well. Uh, when and you show your culture and everything, you re- attract right type of talent, right type of partners, you know, right type of mentors for me myself, you know, loads because we really show who we are. We we're not pretending to be somebody else, you know. So, yeah, I, th- I think as well. One of the things that with your content is you're not simply trying to fit in. A lot of people with their content marketing, they're scared to stand out. Um, is like Mike Michalowicz, he wrote a book about marketing called Get Different. And he talks about how as human beings, we're designed to almost ignore similarity. But we're, we're hardwired to pay attention to anything we see as slightly different. So if you're going to do anything, then trying to, to out-normal everybody else is, is not going to work. And you've been really successful with not being wacky or weird, but quite clearly going your own way and being really content and and secure in that. And I think that's also why it's been successful is you're not going down the tried and trusted way that every, every other IT and marketing, every, every other IT and cybersecurity company promotes themselves. You, you make up your own route and that's, I'm not going to call it entertaining, but it's engaging and it's, it's, you you want to get behind it and you want to cheer it on. Yeah. And I think that's why it works. Yeah. So uh, I, I call it a uh, purple cow. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. we often, uh, I, I say to Libby as well, often uh, my uh, marketing colleague, um, purple cow, purple cow is a book written by Seth Gordon. That's, that's a brilliant book for marketing. Uh, how often do you see a purple mm. cow? But when you see it, you're like, you know, you, you probably take a picture or look at it twice. That's what you want to be. You want to be a purple cow, yeah. right? You don't want to be a normal cow like everybody else. Yeah, That's when people pay attention. Jay, I could continue this conversation for a long time, but I know you have something at the top of the hour and um, we both have to get ready for Christmas holidays, <laughs> which for the listener is in yeah. one day. Yeah. I'm off for a week. This episode will probably come out in between Christmas and New Year. To, in order to entertain you and for the viewers on YouTube, you can bask in the glory yeah. of Jay's Christmas jumper. There's something I forgot, Bob, earlier is um, 
the, 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 about the normal the cyber attacks on the normal people and the Christmas being uh, very relevant. Um, so, how many people do you think shop on Amazon? Oh, tens of millions. How many people do you think use PayPal and the Royal Mail? Again, probably yeah, tens of right? millions. So this, at this time of the year, the hackers are particularly looking at just to spray and pray again. They would send you a text message or an email saying your Amazon order has been, order has been held up or delayed or some sort payment issues. Click this link, double check, you know, or pay here. Oh, your Royal Mail, uh, your order is held up. You need to pay one pound ninety nine pence to release it. But when if you think it's only two pounds, let's pay it off. But if you do that, they get the card details, right? So. So many things. PayPal, a similar similar one. So at this time, especially Christmas time, uh, where our probably we let our guards a bit down, we need to be extra vigilant about clicking these links, providing the information. Yeah, it happens a lot. Not lot. Not many people actually discuss or tell what happened to them. But trust me. <laughs> Happens a lot. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I've seen those emails. I think the Amazon ones in particular, yeah. they are very yeah. good. And they look, they um, look scarily original. Scarily yeah. original. Yeah, you, you can't tell if it's original or, or, or fake email without uh, looking at the sender. Yeah. That is very good Christmas advice. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, if people are thinking, how can I go deeper with Jay? How can I find out more about Tech Force Cyber, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me, you know, Jay Enigo, Google it, or uh, you can find me, Jay, Jay Paul Reddy Enigo, but Jay Enigo is fine on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use much, but LinkedIn is the best way. I have my own YouTube channel, Ask Jay uh, on YouTube. So, yeah, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, or Jay at techforce.co.uk. That's J A I, not J A Y. J as in J Ho. <laughs> at techforce.co.uk, yeah. <laughs> Jay, what's one thing that you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Hire smart people. Surround yourself with best people. Uh, I wish I, I, I have done that at the beginning of my journey. That's a really good answer. Jay, I'm going to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yep. And thank you so much for your time. That does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you to you at home for listening. And if you did enjoy the show, then I would invite you to leave a five-star review wherever you listen yeah, to podcasts. And I wish all your listeners have a great Christmas and New Year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cyber you, incident and free. I see you. <laughs> Say that again. Incident free. Yes. Cyber incident free Christmas and New Year. Yeah. <laughs>